I want you to go over to Galatians chapter number 5 this evening. Galatians chapter number 5. And we are and have been here talking about producing fruit. Producing the kind of fruit that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. But we begin necessarily where we ought to begin, and that is with the root. And we started with this idea that we needed to be rooted in Christ, as that is the most important aspect to our spiritual growth, being rooted in Christ. I'd mentioned at the very beginning five things that we need to pay attention to, five reasons we need to be rooted. It was because of false teachers and false teaching that is going to abound in the last days. And so we need to make sure of where our roots are. We said to number two that we need to be rooted because of a cultural drift away from God. We said, number three, that we need to be rooted because of the pull of our own flesh so that it does not pull us away and lead us astray. We said, number four, that we need to be rooted because of the uprooting of the family and of other God-ordained structures. When we said, number five, that we need to be rooted because the ancient landmarks are being removed. That which is doctrinal, that which is truth, is being questioned and is being changed. So we started way back with the planting of spiritual roots. And we said that we must first be planted in Christ. And so we talked very first and foremost about being saved. And it has nothing to do with all of the flowery good works that comes after that. We start first with planting those roots in Christ and being saved. And then we said that we must pursue Christ. And those roots must pursue the nutrients and pursue the water source as it works its way deep down into the, into the soil. Next, we talked about the prevention of spiritual roots. There's the planting of spiritual roots. Number two, the prevention of spiritual roots. And there are certain things that will come into our lives or that we allow or bring into our lives willingly, which prevent our spiritual roots from achieving hold, from achieving a success, from reaching down into the, the deep soil of God's word and of his presence. We said that the culture of this world is an enemy to our roots. We said that the crowd of the ungodly is an enemy to our root system. And we said those things last week. And so this evening, I want to finish this first section here on, um, you know, being planted in Christ. Um, we, I want to finish it with this idea of the product of spiritual roots, the product of spiritual roots. Look at Galatians 5. Verse number 22, very, very familiar, well-known verses. But I want you to look at these verses as we read through them with refreshed and new eyes. And I want you to look at each individual trait that is, list, that is listed here. Consider the meaning of that trait. Consider how that trait can be applied to you or really how you can view that trait being lived out in your life or how you see that trait lived out in some other Christian's life. He says here in Galatians 5, verse number 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such 
there is no law. I'm not going to go through each of these fruits this evening. Uh, we can save that for another time, and it's something I have done in the past. But <clears throat> we look at that list of things which our spiritual life is supposed to be producing. As you read through those, were you thinking of what they meant? Were you thinking of times where you have seen maybe a lack of that kind of fruit in your life, or you've seen an abundance of it in somebody else's? Love, that certainly ought to be a part of who we are as Christians. I mean, if, if anything can describe love more adequately than Jesus Christ dying on the cross and the Heavenly Father sending His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins, there is, there is no other thing in this earth that can more adequately dis- describe or define or paint us a, 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 a vivid picture of love than that moment in history. Love, sacrificial love. Love that is willing to go into pain for the one we love. To go into discomfort. Joy. Is there joy in your life? Peace. Have you ever noticed just how peaceable someone was or how peaceful or at peace they seem to be? You think, man, that Christian, they just, even though they have stuff going on in their lives, you don't really know about it. They don't complain. They're not always bringing it up. They're just at peace. Long suffering. That's something parents of young children are learning to be long suffering like God. Thankfully, praise the Lord is long suffering. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. When we don't see these characteristics that were just listed here in our lives, you can know something for sure. It is not because you're not adequately producing that fruit. It is because there is a problem with your roots. And when we try to spend too much time trying to manufacture fruit, when we spend too much time focusing on the flowery things on the branches and the juicy, sweet things hanging from the branches, and we are not looking at the root, we're we're trying to make this up here the best that we can without doing it the right way. We're looking in the wrong place. Too many Christians spend their lifetime trying to manufacture fruits of the Spirit, when it is supposed to be a byproduct of right living, a byproduct of walking with the Lord. A, 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 more, a wiser question would be this. What's going on beneath the soil in my life? Are my roots grounded? Am I being nourished in the Word of God? It's easy to be so concentrated on what everybody else sees, and I'm speaking from experience on this one. It's so easy to be concentrated on what everybody else sees, that we're manufacturing fruits to make sure that other people see that fruit and other people see that fruit. And okay, we're getting a little angry going on here, so I really need to get this peace and long-suffering side coming out a little bit. But it's like plugging holes in a ship that's constantly springing leaks. You can't keep up. The only way is to focus on the roots. We had been also looking in Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, verse number 3, it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Why does he bring forth his fruit in his season? Because of where he is planted. Because of the nutrients of the soil. Because of the environment in which he is in. Then he produces fruit. Somebody might have said right then, Ah, see, pastor, 
I knew it. You said because of the environment. Well, if you only knew what kind of home I grew up in, or if you only knew what my house was like, or if you only knew what or how my body aches, or if you only knew my temperament or my personality characteristics, if you only knew my environment, you would understand why I am the way I am. That wasn't the environment I'm talking about. I'm talking about your spiritual environment. You see, I, you can't control what your spouse does or says. You can't control necessarily what your kids do or say. You can't control how you were brought up, what kind of home you're in. You can't control your health. And in many cases, you cannot control your personality traits. You cannot control hormones. And none of those things are really within your control. But you can control your spiritual environment. That is 100% under your control. And let me tell you this. The production of spiritual fruit doesn't come from your relationship with your spouse or your relationship with your children or your relationship with anybody. The production of spiritual fruit in your life comes from your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where your focus needs to be. When you start realizing that you can't plug up all of the holes, then you just need to stop trying because you're going about it the whole wrong way. Spiritual fruit develops in its season. I can't make apples pop out of my tree in April. I couldn't even make buds pop out of my tree in April. I don't have any apples on my apple trees this year. They come in season. When your life is planted by the water that is God's word, then it's never going to lack for sustenance. Then, Spiritual fruit is going to begin popping out, and it's going to be observable. People are going to take notice. God didn't design His fruit to look like the fruit of the world either. Stop and think about that. When we contrast the fruits of the Spirit that were just listed here, and we contrast that with the list that was given to us back in verses 19, 20, and 21, the works of the flesh. And I'm not going to read through those lists, but I'll tell you what, that's a pretty awful list. It's a dirty list. It's a list that's not enjoyable to read, let alone recognize some of those things in my own life. Those are fruits of the world. That's what the world has to offer me. They can put up billboards about, you know, cigarettes and not that they do that much anymore, I guess, but they can put up billboards for alcohol and they can put up billboards for all of these sports gambling. But I tell you what, what fruit are they really producing? It's not happiness. That's what they're promising. Notice happiness was not one of the fruits of the Spirit. Joy is. You see, the fruits of the Spirit are not the same thing the world has to offer. And so I want you to ask this. I want you to look out at your limbs and I want you to ask what kind of fruit you have been producing. Has your fruit been more like verses 19, 20, and 21? Or more like verses 22 and 23? You don't have to answer that question because I know what the answer is. Probably a little of both. But it doesn't have to stay that way. We've all seen trees that are huge and beautiful. I've never been out west and to see those you know, tall western red cedars. I think that would be beautiful to go out into some of those national parks out west and see trees that are big enough that they actually board tunnels through them and you can drive through the tree. You know, uh, That would be awesome to be able to go out and see some of those massive 
beautiful trees. But I'll tell you what, there's a, there's a little tree up on Raven's Roost. How many of you have been up on Raven's Roost on Blue Ridge Parkway? I know my family has because uh, we go up there and watch the sunset. Took my dad up there, took the Indian missionaries up there uh, to watch the sunset. It's beautiful. Best place, I think, to watch the sunset uh, within 30 minutes drive, you know. And I go up there and there's a tree. It's not by the parking lot, but it, you go up the hill a little bit where the rocks are hanging out. Uh, and there's a little tree there. I believe it's a Joshua tree, or at least I've heard people call it that. Uh, and it's the scraggly pine tree that's managed to grow itself up out of the rocks. And when the sun is setting, it's always setting right behind that scraggly Joshua tree. It's beautiful, perfect. I bet there are millions of pictures of that tree floating around on Facebook and Instagram right now uh, of sunsets with that tree in front of it and families with, you know, standing in front of that tree. We look at trees that are huge, ones that produce lots of buds like the cherry trees in Washington, D.C., and we get amazed by these truth, by these, by these trees. We notice it. And of course, those flowers being colorful, what else do they attract? They attract the bees, the pollinators to come and pollinate from one tree to another so they can produce fruit. You know what happens when a Christian produces fruit? I'm talking about good spiritual fruit. It's noticeable. And it ought to be noticeable. It's a sweet-smelling savor. And it ought to be sweet-smelling savor. It ought to be attractive, too. I'm not talking about, you know, physically attractive. I'm not talking about making it simply attractive to the eyes. I'm talking about genuinely, spiritually attractive. Have you met somebody like that before? There was just something attractive about them. And, and again, I don't mean that in a physical way. I just mean you want to be their friend. They're clean and they're pure and they're wholesome and they're upright and, and you want to be with them and you want to be more like them. We're supposed to produce fruit in that way. Now, we are supposed to produce spiritual fruit. Uh, we talked about here the product of spiritual roots. If we focus on our roots and we make sure our roots are in the right place, that is, again, the Word of God, that is, in the preaching, in the teaching of the Word of God. That is, in our walk with the Holy Spirit, with our Heavenly Father. When we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When we walk with Him, we are focusing on the roots. We plant ourselves so that this, this is our source of inspiration. That this is our source, our main source of influence. That this is where we go to in times of trouble. This is where we go to in times of joy. And this is where we go to in times of need. We go and we dip our roots deep into the Word of God. Deeper than Psalm 23 and deeper than John 3.16. We, we put our roots down in deep and we draw from the wisdom and the power, the life. That is the Word of God. Then we are focusing on our spiritual roots, and then we will produce spiritual fruit, but we will also produce consistent fruit. And that's one of the areas where we struggle, isn't it? Producing consistent fruit. In Psalm 1, verse number 4, I quoted verse 3 earlier. Verse 4 says, But the godly are not so but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. 
If you've heard very many sermons in your life, you've no doubt heard a description of what chaff is or a definition. Of course, if you've had anything to do with farming, you then also have a, a good indication or idea of what chaff is. You watch these big combines, and I, I think it's neat to see the combines, you know, going up and down the road, and uh, neat to see the the fertilizer, you know, big trucks going up and down the road, except for the ones carrying. Uh, the stinky fertilizer. I don't like getting behind those trucks. I don't like that time of year. <laughs> then the whole valley stinks. But uh, I, I think it's neat to have to go off the road a little bit because there's this massive combine going down the road trying to get to the next field. You know, that's not something I saw in Florida uh, ever. Uh, and I appreciate seeing that sort of thing. It reminds me out in a, I'm a farming community and I like that. But when you see those combines going down the row, sometimes they can be taken, uh, you know, 12 to 20 rows of corn at a time. And that's what most of the fields between home and here are, cornfields. And you see them even out there at night with their spotlights going because they want to get it in before the rain comes. And they're going through and they're cutting down maybe 20 rows of corn at a time. What's it, that machine doing? It's pulling those stalks and those ears of corn into the machine and it's separating them. It is taking those ears of corn and it is separating, stripping all of the corn kernels from those ears of corn and it is tossing them into a big hopper in the back of the combine. And then all of the other stuff, the stalks, uh, the uh, husks, all of that stuff, somehow the machine sorts it out. I don't know how it is. I didn't have to design it and praise the Lord, I didn't have to because we'd be starving to death probably. Uh, but you know, all of that other stuff, the machine knows what to do with it. It grinds it up and tosses it out the back of the machine. And then it rots and goes back into the soil only to turn into nutrients for next year's growth and harvest. The chaff is the part that is discarded. But well, let's, let's talk about the method of harvesting. Typically, the way a, har a farmer would harvest wheat back during Bible times, he would go out in the field with a hand scythe, and you probably have used one of those in the past, and with my hand, maybe with one hand, or they've got those big ones, I don't know if they had those in Bible times, you know, the two-handed scythes, and you cut it all down, and of course it's got to dry. And then they would gather it all up into bundles. Then they would thresh the wheat. In this threshing, they would use a wooden flail uh, and they would beat it on a hard surface. And the purpose was to break away those kernels of grain at the top of the wheat stalk away from the rest of the stalk so that the, the, the kernels would drop down maybe through grooves or in holes or something like that. And then everything else would be left behind. Then the farmer would winnow the wheat. He would take uh, maybe kind of like a, a reverse pitchfork and he would take and he would pick that uh, mess that he has there on the floor and he would toss it up into the air into a light breeze. I've seen um, pictures of ones in, in ancient uh, Palestine that they would use where there was actually a tunnel that was kind of through a mountain and they would winnow that weed at one end of the tunnel and at the other end there would be somebody with a really big fan so that they would be basically pushing a, a breeze through this wind tunnel uh, and that wind would carry the lightest stuff away allowing the heavier stuff to drop back down again. Well, that light stuff that would be blown away is the chaff. Even if you're, you know, ladies, men even baking bread, many times they will go and they will, um, you know, sift out those, that, that wheat. And what are they sifting it for? They're trying to get any of the, uh, those hard shell coverings that went around the grain, they're trying to get that stuff. Make sure all of that's taken out of the wheat so there's nothing left but light, powdery uh, flour to make soft, fluffy, bread with. 
They would get rid of the chaff. They would discard that part. That's the debris. The chaff is refuse. It blows away whenever the wind blows. Like following one of those big trucks down the road, you see just bits of corn stuff flying all over the road as they're driving down the road. The verse there in verse number four, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Well, the stalk had its purpose for a time. The <clears throat> shell around the kernel of, of wheat had its time, had its purpose and its reason for a while, but it is the refuse. And it will never be anything but chaff. So God says here in Psalm 1 that the ungodly, those who are not saved and rooted in Christ, they're going to blow away. Because they did not have roots that reached down firmly into Christ. God's design for our production of spiritual fruit is that it be done consistently. We don't like to plant fruit trees that only every once in a great while bear fruit. Last year, my apple trees uh, put out a lot of apples, and I went through and I pulled almost all of them off because I wanted the first year, I didn't want them to be putting its energies into growing apples. I wanted to put its energies into growing itself, its root system, and uh, getting a little bit bigger. This year, I only saw one flower on both trees. I don't know what happened, uh, why it didn't. Maybe it didn't get enough cold last this winter. It was since we had more of a mild winter. Or maybe the trees are dying and I wasted my money. I don't know. But whatever the case is, I don't know. But I want my trees to be consistent, don't you? I mean, if you're going to take the time to plant a garden or to plant fruit trees and to cultivate them, you want them to be consistently pr providing fruit. And you don't want them just to produce so-so mm, fruit. You want them to produce good, juicy, you know, sweet-flavored fruit. That's God's design. And again, it goes back to the root system. Do you plant your roots deeply down into the soil that is the Word of God, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the part of the Christian life that most intrigues us is the fruit-bearing part. Because that's the part that gets attention. That's the part that people see. People notice when we're serving. And people notice when we have the sweet spirit. People notice when we have joy in our heart. And so when we walk through those doors, uh, the arguments that were going on outside those doors end and smiles get plastered on in their place. And I know you all have done it, okay? Not just you, we've done it too. And we've got to put on the joy, right? So, so that everybody can see us as happy Christians. Because if we're not smiling, somebody's going to ask, are you okay, Pastor? <laughs> yes, I'm okay. Okay, you know what? I'm thinking about you and I'm stressed. No, I'm kidding. Uh, are you okay, Pastor? Yes, I'm okay. We want to put on that joy. And then we get all stressed out and we, are, we get concerned about something and it's bothering us and it's roiling within our soul. And somebody comes and says, how are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing just fine. Just fine. Thank you. I'm not doing fine. <laughs> There's roiling going on in my soul. I'm battling hard with, with something inside me that I'm unsettled about. We focus on that part that everybody sees. 
Oh, I can be long-suffering with my kids when I'm at church, right? <laughs> I don't want anybody to see me take that kid and throw him across the room. So uh, when I'm at church, I'm going to be that, that gentle, kind, loving father. But at home, you better watch. No, I'm just kidding. I don't throw my kids across the room unless there's like a cushion or something there. Sometimes I throw them into the water or a trampoline or stuff like that. Moving on. Oh, it's easy to be long-suffering with your spouse when the preacher's there watching, right? Uh, it's a whole different story when nobody else is around. Oh, it's, it's one thing to want to put on the fruit of the Spirit when somebody knows you're a Christian or a preacher. And you tell somebody you're a preacher and everything changes. You know, Everything about your relationship with that person changes. Suddenly they get nervous every time they start cursing. Okay, you know, I don't like cursing, but you know, you, it's you're not you're not sinning against me by cursing. Uh, you don't need to ask me for. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. I can't forgive you. You know, if you know it's wrong, talk to the person that you just cursed against. Talk to the person that you just wronged. It wasn't me. I mean, I don't I don't like cursing, but at the same time, I live in the world and I hear it, and I don't use those words, nor will I use those words, and I'm not going to put myself in situations where I have to routinely hear those words either. I'm not going to put myself around people where I have routinely am hearing those words. And we don't always have that choice, do we? When I worked for the water company, um, I was in a situation that I just had to routinely hear that kind of stuff. And I could separate myself sometimes, and sometimes I could not separate myself. And sometimes they're like, oh, sorry, preacher, even though I was only in Bible college at the time. Oh, sorry, preacher. Uh, and they would, you know, kind of control themselves if they knew that I was, you know, going to Bible college or something like that. But sometimes the thing that graphs are our attention and our imagination the most is the fruit-bearing side of things. Because I tell you what, man, it's the apples that go into the pie. It's the apples that make the butter. I love apple butter. Apple butter on fresh biscuits, let me tell you. That's, that's right up there with cinnamon rolls. Moving on. <laughs> My wife's going gonna, gonna to be in trouble later again. <clears throat> it's, the, it's the strawberries. The strawberries that go good on the shortcake, isn't it? Boy, it's the, they're colorful. They taste good. They make some good desserts. And, and producing spiritual fruit, that's pleasant too. Seeing spiritual fruit in somebody else, that's pleasant. And we want people to think of us in the same way. And so we focus on that rather than developing on root growing. It's not automatic. It begins by being planted in Christ, which was the very first thing that we talked about, and that happened at salvation. Are you saved? Do you know 100% for sure that if you were to die tonight, that you would open your eyes standing before God in heaven? Or do you doubt, or even suspect, or even know? That if you were to die and open up your eyes tonight, that you would open them up or lift up their eyes in hell, like was said about the rich man in the Gospels. That's where it begins. Everybody, most people, if they're honest with themselves, want to be a good person. They want to be liked. Most people want to be liked. There are a few out there that are just stinkers and uh, they're content to be hated. But I think inside, even they, want to be liked, and want to be considered a good person. Even the unsaved world wants to. But it's fruitless. And it's useless to try to attain any kind of righteousness or goodness 
outside of first planting your roots deep in Jesus Christ and what He has already done for us. Spiritual roots are not automatic. Those also have to be developed. You see, when you get saved, yes, you become a child of God. You're adopted into His family. And you can't just remove yourself, and no one can remove you. The devil cannot remove you. You are now a child of God. You have been, according to John 3, born again into the family of God. Once born into a family, try as they might to disown you, and some of you, they may have tried to disown you. You're still their blood. You're still their kin. They may not talk about you. They may have removed your pictures from the walls, but you're still their blood and their family. And even a Christian who backslides, even a Christian who falls and fails and, and spends a time eating the hog slop like the prodigal son can still return. Spiritual roots are not automatic. Don't just assume that because you were saved, that just because you were baptized, that that means you automatically have a right daily relationship with God. Getting saved corrects your relationship with God in your sanctification and other areas. But on a daily basis, you still have to correct that relationship with God by daily cleansing and confession. And by daily uh, you know, pulling yourself up or digging, I should say, putting your roots down deep into the water that is the Word of God. It's not automatic. And it does have enemies. And we talked about those enemies last week. There will be those things that will are going to, you know, the world and our society and its influences are going to pull our hearts away from the Lord so that we take our roots, if it were, you know, physically possible, imagine the roots of the tree being pulled back up and it's shifting because the tree saw something a little further away from the stream that it thought was gold and shiny and wanted that, only to find out that over at that gold and shiny thing, it was a piece of aluminum foil and there was no water over there. And it began to dry up and to shrivel and it stopped producing fruit. And how many Christians, you, well, first of all, you'd say, well, that's, that's ridiculous. Why would a tree do that? Why would a tree leave the one place where there is water to go over there into the desert for that shiny thing? What can it do with that shiny thing? Exactly. What can we do with the money? What can we do with the cars? What can we do with the jewelry? What can we do with the power and the fame? We're just going to, what can a tree do with a diamond ring? About as much as we can, huh? When you look into eternity, the diamond ring doesn't come with us. I'm not saying you, you should never have jewelry. I'm not saying that you should never have things at all. But where do you plant your roots? Don't leave the water source for the golden glittery thing because you will be disappointed when you get there and you will not find water. And Christian, you will not bear fruit. And it will be noticed by other people, by other Christians, and by the unsaved world as they watch your life and realize they say they're a Christian, but their actions tell me something different. And I don't see the typical things I should see a Christian doing in their lives. Instead of joy and peace, I see bitterness. Instead of long-suffering, I see short-tempered anger. That doesn't seem like what a Christian ought to be. The world knows. The, the world has expectations as to how we are to behave. Because the world has that ingrained conscience within them. 
Spiritual roots are not automatic. God warns us to beware of the enemies, philosophy, traditions, rudiments of this world. And we looked at those verses last week. He tells us that we need to seek fellowship with others who also desire spiritual fruit. You need to find a brother or a sister in Christ who can be a spiritual encouragement to you instead of holding you back, instead of drawing you away to other things, that there's someone who is going to encourage you to read your Bible, encourage you to be in church, encourage you to be a soul winner. Praise the Lord for people like that who may even put on a little pressure to do what's right. Because that's the person that's sharpening you. As iron sharpeneth iron, so doth a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. You know, to sharpen iron, what do you got to do? You got to shave off bits of that metal. And sometimes that shaving it, there's friction there. That's what causes the sharpening, right? The friction. And sometimes friction is good. Friction is necessary many sometimes. Now, the Bible does tell us that only by pride cometh contention. But not all friction is contention. Sometimes friction is because one person says, no, this is right, and I really think you ought to be doing what's right, while your flesh says, I don't want to. And now there's some contention there, which, of course, involves pride, because you say what I want is more important than what God says is right, than what the Word of God says is right. So you find a friend, or friends, better yet, which is, hey, it's a wonderful thing. We have a church family, right? Let's sharpen one another. Make one another spiritually stronger. Don't do it, though, unless you're praying for that person. If you're not willing to take the time to pray for that person, I would caution you against trying to spiritually sharpen that person. Because you might be doing it in the wrong spirit. Maybe you'll be doing it out of revenge or who knows what. But you need to be praying for that person if you want to try to, if you want to have any effect at all. Because you need the Spirit's help in that sharpening. Just like we need the Spirit's help when we're soul winning. And so we need that prayer. We need to go before the Lord, before His throne, so that it's not us walking up to that door, that it is the Holy Spirit who is walking up to that door. Despite us. So we said spiritual roots are not automatic. He's directing us to seek fellowship with others who desire spiritual fruit, but also recognizing friendships that are harmful to us spiritually, that hurt our relationship with Him. And then this evening, we said that the fruit God produces is consistent spiritual fruit. Consistent spiritual fruit. We were not meant to ride a spiritual roller coaster. I'll be the first to tell you, I love roller coasters. I was so excited to take Colton on his first big boy roller coaster last summer. And it was great fun. And next time we tried to get on it, they said he was too small to ride it. Um, I was like, well, you didn't say that last time. But it was great. He hated every second of it and loved every second of it all at the same time and wanted to go do it right again. Uh, and roller coasters are a lot of fun because you have the, the anticipation and a little bit of anxiety as you climb up that hill, followed by the release and the thrill of the drop on the other end and whatever other craziness happens along the way. But we weren't meant to ride roller coasters spiritually. We're not meant to be on a spiritual high and serving the Lord and everything is going great one day and the next day we're down in the dumps and we, you know, there's the deceit and we're living the wrong way. And let me say it this way, it's inevitably going to happen. But we don't have to, to, to give in 
to it. It doesn't have to be quite so dramatic. Our spiritual falls don't have to be quite so bad, and they can get lessened and lessened as we draw closer and closer to the Lord. The fruit that God produces is a consistent fruit. It can't be manufactured just by wishing. It can't be manufactured just by watching it in somebody else's life and wishing that I had that same spiritual walk as them. How did they get that spiritual walk? Or walk? That's something y'all say. How did they get that spiritual maturity? How did they get that scriptural knowledge? It didn't come easy, and it didn't come fast. It came through some hard bumps. It came through some tough experiences. It came through lots of falls and skin knees and getting back up again. It came through confessions, not to a priest, but to God. It came through hard work. It came through learning and studying and reading and forgetting, and more learning, and studying, and reading, and for some of us, more forgetting, and more and more forgetting. But when you see somebody who's just spiritually on fire, it didn't come automatic. And it wasn't easy, and it's not easy to maintain spiritual fire for the Lord. But don't put on spiritual fire either. Don't put it up as a front because it's expected of you. That needs to be a fruit, a byproduct of a right spiritual environment and that, again, is something you can control. You can control whether or not you are putting your roots deep into the Word of God. You can control whether or not you are praying. You can control the people that you, are, you allow into your lives to the, the, the most vast extent you can. You can control whether or not you're walking in the Spirit or not. You can control your spiritual environment, which means you can control the root system. That part's yours. And so you can send your roots after whatever you want to send them after. But beware, what you send them after is what the fruit is going to start looking like. If we send it after the Word of God and the presence of God, it's going to produce some pretty awesome fruit. Joy, love, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. That's a good quality in a man. Goodness, faith, that's a good quality in anybody. Meekness, it's a good quality in the strong to learn how to control it, to not have to show it off, to not have to impress others, but to withhold it and keep it under control. Temperance, that self-discipline. To temper a piece of metal means you are heating it, sometimes flattening it out and folding it, but you are heating it, and then in some cases you are dropping it down in that water or that oil very quickly so that you uh, are instantly cooling that blade so that you can temper the blade. Why? So that it has a little flexibility without breaking, so that it has strength when striking without shearing. You temper your blade so that it's more effective. And we as Christians ought to be more, better tempered, and when I say that, I mean by self-disciplined, so that when the tough times come, we bend but we don't break. We don't get angry and sin or frustrated and sin, but we learn temperance, how to control 
ourselves. Self-discipline. It is supposed to be consistently produced. Now, what's coming up? We're still going to stay in the same idea of being rooted in Christ, but now we're going to look a little bit more in depth into areas in which we need to be rooted in Christ. I've said many times that we need to put our roots into the Word of God. Okay, that's a very vague sentence. Now, we have some pretty, uh, you know, some ideas maybe of what that might mean. What does it mean to be rooted in God's Word? Come back next Sunday night, and we're going to talk about being rooted in God's Word. After that, we'll talk about being rooted in His truth. We'll talk about being rooted in His wisdom. We'll talk about being rooted in His love. We'll see this vast amount and vast variety of fruit that we as Christians are supposed to be producing. But again, I bring you back to the single thought, which to me, I don't know about you all, but to me it was the most prominent thought of our very first uh, sermon in this series, and it was focusing on the roots. And that same, that same thought has really just followed throughout here, focusing on our roots. So, you don't need to focus on my roots, and you don't need to focus on her roots or his roots. You need to focus on your own. Where are you putting or pursuing those roots now? I've already told you where they ought to be. We'll talk more about that as time comes. But I want to produce fruit personally. It's glamorous to produce fruit, yeah. But again, I remind you, it is a byproduct. And you know what it comes along with a lot of these fruits of the Spirit, which I don't believe are exhaustive? Humility. That's part of temperance. Humility. You say, man, if I'm producing all these fruits, woohoo, look at me. No. If you're producing all those fruits, you won't be going, woohoo, look at me. You probably will refuse to recognize it in your own life. That's what so many of the, the best people that I've ever met are like. They won't recognize any good thing in their life. They still view themselves as a dirty, rotten, low-down sinner, even though everybody else sees the fruit. Praise the Lord for humble, faithful Christians like that. So next Sunday evening, we'll gather ourselves back together again here, and we will look at being rooted, grounded in the Word of God. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I do thank you for the great blessing it is to be in your house. Lord. As, as with the other sermons in this series, you continue to just pound away at my heart. And Lord, I know I can't get to anybody else's hearts unless first it's dealt, been dealt with in my heart. And Lord, I know that you desire for everybody in this church to be producing spiritual fruit. But Lord, let's, let's just stop talking about that fruit tonight. And let's just look at what goes on below the ground in our own lives. Let us tonight and this week take stock again of where we have planted ourselves. It's difficult for us as a tree to want to run one root to the river of the Word of God and to want to run other roots to the world, to the things that it has to offer us. Lord, you've placed us in the world. This is where we are. This is where we are to be until you call us home. But Lord, we can never affect and change this world or this society except that we are producing spiritual fruit. 
which, Lord, only you can produce in us if we abide in you as the branch abides in the vine. Lord, I pray that you would help us this week to stay connected to your word, that we would pursue our roots down deep into your word, to pursue a genuine and a consistent relationship with you, Lord. And maybe, Lord, if we're spiritually successful there, others will see fruit in our lives. And we may not be noticing it because we're so focused on sending our roots down to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see areas in our lives that are drawing us away from you and our time and our love away from you and that you'd help us to replace those roots where they need to be. Lord, I pray for conviction upon our hearts this week that you would move where necessary and that you'd be pleased with the things that we do and say this week. And then as we gather again here Wednesday night once more to study your word, that we would not be coming with things that we are ashamed of having done or said. But Lord, I pray that this week you would give us victory. Lord, that when we gather Wednesday night, we will be able to come with victory in our heart. Bringing our sheaves with us, bearing fruits of the Spirit, Lord. And I just ask for your hand of blessing upon this week, that you give us a safe trip home tonight and a safe week. And we thank you for helping the missionaries to make it safely to the church they were going to this evening. And I uh, pray that you'd bless the meeting they're having there tonight. And Lord, we ask all of these things in your son's name I pray. Amen.